So which would you choose for yourself or your child if you had the choice? You know, long life, but kind of a pedestrian existence or wow, you know, huge impact, but it's going to be a, you're going to die early. I would want my child to live for 100 years so that, again, all about me. I I don't I don't have the I don't have the sheer emotional torture. Your life sucks, to- kid, but you'll have a lot of it. <laughs> Welcome to episode 263 of Pup Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be in your very own Pub Theology pint glass, which you can get as long as supplies last. And you are a patron. Head over to patreon.com slash ptlive. Starting at just $7 a month, you get access to some extra content, some fun conversations, banter, some, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe more personal things that we don't share with the general public. Um, maybe we should. We should start sharing lots more personal things. Boost our listenership. I think we share enough. <laughs> Shannon's like, Shannon's like, let's shut that down right now. <laughs> but, but if you want to be um, among the crowd that that gets some of that extra stuff, head over to Patreon.com/slash/PTLive and become a patron. And as always, we thank our current patrons for your support. And this is our last show of our season, except in a couple of weeks, drumroll please, we will have our live show at the Wild Goose Festival. Um, we will be at Goosecast on the Friday of July, of, of Wild Goose, um, July 14th at 4 p.m. Um, if you're around that Friday, uh, we'll also put a plug in. Um, Derek will be there with the Green Lectionary podcast at 2 and food and faith podcast at 5 30 right after us so you know if anything just come at four and plan to stay through and we'll have plenty of drinks and and we'll maybe ogan and i will even give you some drinks again this time and then we can all heckle derek about food afterwards and see if he gives us food Ooh. you know i i don't know will he but, have sam will he have samples i don't know i, I now i'm going to tell him that we're going to get everybody drunk ahead of time that he better have something to like sober him up so maybe he'll see but anyway, if you're going to be a wild gooser, um, if you were thinking about joining, let us persuade you and showing up on Friday, July 14th at four o'clock in, I forget where it is, New Bern, New North Carolina, something. I don't know. Check me on that. Just Google Wild Goose Festival. You'll find all the information you need there. So today we're talking about church scandals, legends, and how travel connects with spirituality. I have never felt felt more spiritual in travel, and that is actually very true. I'm not lying about that. So, what are we drinking today? Ogan, what are you drinking? Are you a drinking week or an off-drinking week? 
you know, oh shit, it is an off drinking week. Damn it. No. I had a beer ready to go. No, you're going to have your have your beer and then start it next week. I, I you know, what? listen. Mm-hmm. Peer pressure. My, 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 my birth, my, yeah, seriously, my birthday was on the first and I was like, okay, birthday weekend, I'm going to drink because it's my birthday weekend, but then I'll start Monday not drinking. All right. But you know what? Fine. Fine, fine, fine. I have Wednesday is a perfectly good day to stop drinking. It's a perfectly good day. <laughs> <laughs> this is an uh, Oberon American Wheat Ale. I think we might be all familiar with this one um, mm-hmm. from Bell's. A good one. From Bell's. It's a good yeah. one. So, all right, here we go. Pushing back, pushing back the two dry weeks yet another day. <laughs> you got to. I mean, listen, it's our last episode for the season. Come on, birthday weekend extended. And if you all don't think the fact that our we're going to be doing 264 at Wild Goose and not 265 is bothering me, you have another thing coming. But I'm going to let it go. Ah! <laughs> Brian, what are you drinking? <laughs> so I have been out of beer for what feels like way too long. Uh, so I came up with a, a little vodka lemonade. So mm. nothing fancy, uh, but it's hot out and this will... Be refreshing. So there you go. Very nice. What do you have, Shannon? I have not been to the liquor store in a while. Um, no, that's not true. I've been to the liquor store. I haven't bought beer in a while. Um, and so I have one of my old standards, um, which I've drank on the show many times, but it is one of my favorites. It is Union Brewing's Mountain Girl um, Hefeweizen. Of course. And um, the new label, which I'm not as excited about as the beautiful banjo with the wildflowers and the mountains. But this is their special brew for the Bluegrass um, Festival in April at Union Brewing. Um, and I just absolutely adore it. So a classic. I'm drinking in my pub theology pint Ooh. glass. So, you know, take that co hosts. Since I'm the only one that hasn't broken theirs or, you know. Yeah, exactly. I will have pint glasses at Wild Goose, so be sure to show up. All right, all right. Look, look for Shannon. Look for Ogan, and you and may... check our Facebook page because there might be a secret password or something. I haven't Ooh, decided yet. I like it. I don't know that anybody just gets one. Right. Come on. No, no, that's no. ridiculous. I think they have to buy your weekend like pass for the beer tent, and then they get a pint glass. There you go. There you go. Welcome, welcome to real time planning, folks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's like a month away. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> come on, come on. Oh my gosh. On to today's topics. All right. So, if you have to be contacted, do you prefer to be contacted via email, text, phone call, direct message on pick your social media app, or someone knocking on your front door? Please don't knock on my front door. Just shut the front door, says like Shannon. ever. <laughs> unless you, unless you're giving me stuff. If I've won something and you're giving me things, knock on my door. Mm-hmm. Right. If there's an oversized check and it and it's worth real money. Do you know how many? Like the we've had a ring for about a year now, and it has saved mm. me from having to hide at the door so many times. Like, yeah, it's great. Highly yes. recommend. Five stars. All right. So which of these though, you know, like in general, if someone has to text, reach text out to me. you, how, 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 where does phone call rank on these options? Is it last other than front door? It's fairly low. As always, it depends. 
It depends who's calling. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, caller ID. So yesterday I was having a re- like a genuinely real case of the Mondays, right? And like I'd kind of gotten some work done in the morning and then in the afternoon just hit that just like I, 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 I like yeah. my brain isn't functioning. I like I just can't do this. Like, why can't we just go back to the weekend where I didn't have to do anything? You know, it's just actually really angry that it wasn't the weekend anymore. <laughs> it was right. it wasn't my finest moment. And it, it was, you know, it was that moment where you're like, okay, if I take a break, will I come back to it? Like, will that be better? Or do I just push through? Do you slog through? And like right around that time, my best friend called and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, like and so in that moment, I very much appreciated the phone call versus the text because I was like, I really need to walk away and you just made that decision for me. There you go. Nice. Um, generally, I prefer text and let me apologize to our listeners up front. I got wonky Wi-Fi issues today. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm all over the place, uh, sound quality wise, that's why um, I've traditionally preferred text. But you know what I'm really getting into now? Voice notes. Like voice notes is a nice uh you know middle ground between text because sometimes i got a lot i want to share with the person and i don't want to type that much i am tired i am lazy i'm just like too much to text but i also don't want to call but to drop a voice note now and Uh, i think you can do that you can do that in all the messaging apps so it's like a voicemail but you don't have to call first exactly exactly it's a way of leaving a voicemail without the fear of them picking up I love that. Exactly. And you That's could probably, you record it ahead of time. And if you don't like it, you can do it over. Unlike voicemail where it's capturing you in real time. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Uh, yes, the voice. Well, the voice notes are real time capture. But yes, you do have, I think in most of the apps, you do have the choice to delete before um, you, before you send. Yeah. Or, uh, but but yes, that's that's my that's my new thing now. Lots of voice. And it's also safer when you're walking down the street, you know, you know, text with your head down and you get run over by a car, um, you, your head up, you're leaving a voice note. That's that's my new thing. So why do you like voice note more than voice to text? Ooh. Because the voice to text isn't always accurate. And then you still got to go back through and make corrections. Because I was on a voice to text kick uh, for a little while, but you know, especially with my accent half the time, like it, it, it's not, it's not great, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, the voice I, notes. I would rather, I would prefer to get a text than a voice note because if I'm like, you know, sitting in a meeting, I can read a text, but I can't necessarily listen yeah. to a voice note. True. Now is that, this that is the one like, that is the one drawback? Yes. Is a voice note built into your iPhone, or do you have an extra app for this, or how does that work? Well, I have an Android. I am part of the oh. Android resistance. Um, okay, I don't me do too. My phone, um, but but the I know the the messages default app in Android text, and you can leave a recording note. Oh. Here comes here comes Shannon with a tutorial. Um, in in the iPhone, you just click that button right there, and you can do it. Yes, you can do that. And you can do that in Android too. There's a there's a button there in the in the texting app that you can just do that. But I no, also it goes to voice input. It's voice to text is the only mic it's, thing it's I have. Recording what he's saying right here. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I'll we'll 
we'll cover this in the post show. You know, we always got to be helping you with tech, Brian. <laughs> yeah, and now our show is be- being voice to texted right now. Lovely. <laughs> but I also communicate with on on a lot of other messaging apps like WhatsApp you know, because it got a lot of international yeah. contacts, Signal, Telegram, even Discord, like the whole, I got, I mean, I talk to people on like four or five messaging apps. It is, it is unreal. But, but, but a lot of those other apps are much more intuitive in terms of leaving a, a voice note. Um, and that's my preference now. So what I about will when say, they, oh, go ahead, Shannon. I was just gonna say, if you're sending me a meme, any, any app will do just, that's great. Just bring it on like a <laughs> meme, a reel, like if you're, copying it and pasting it into the text i'll take it if you're sending it to me on instagram i'll take it like just bring them all the all all day long there you go yeah i was gonna say what happens when they all collide like you're writing this really important email and then your phone rings and then someone knocks the front door it's like <laughs> just stop well, and the it's, person it's, at the front door can go been... you know <laughs> mm-hmm. unless they have money or a price <laughs> Tana's like, I can't answer the door. I'm reading a text. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's fat, it's fascinating. It's fascinating as um, so you know me, I've been living my best, my best date in life the last uh, couple of months. And it's you know, the dating apps are horrible for messaging. Like and they're mm-hmm. just a shit show. So, you know, it's usually like, all right, let's let's actually get into better messaging text and are they time. only for attachments are they only like pictures what, and the... <laughs> uh, no actually for a lot of them you can't you can't because they're trying to oh, keep good. it safe right uh, you know that my husband regularly is like thank god you saved me from dating apps like thank you thank yeah. you so much <laughs> that's like my big accomplishment in his world that he'd never had to get on a dating app <laughs> wow. there it's pretty it's pretty wild now um <laughs> But I like, you know, I like to say, what is what is your preference for a messaging? You wanna you wanna WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, OG text, like, yeah. and it is fascinating. Is fascinating, you know, when people have their messaging app of choice and what that app is, um, and a lot of it for a lot of folks revolves around safety and around mm-hmm. the ability to to like, you know. I can message you and you don't need my phone number. So in case this goes off the rails, uh, you know, there's no way you can find me, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Discord uh, is particularly good for that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fascinating to 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 see um, where, where folks land on that. Um, and and then part of that whole conversation then or a site and what's connected to that is, you know, how many times women have been harassed by men <laughs> and they're like yeah you're not how 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 can i start this conversation in a way that keeps me safe um sort, sort of deal so it's it's fascinating that's all i'll say about that you're saying i would be surprised to learn that women are harassed by men is that what you're saying no i'm not saying that i'm <laughs> saying because because men can't behave themselves we have we have an overabundance of. I'm of just wondering where the surprise is in all of that. That's all. Make That's my all. work hard for me. <laughs> I'm just wondering why that's a surprise to you. Fair, fair point. Fair. fair point. Fair point. Fair point. Fair point. That's all. That's all I'm wondering. Fair point. No further questions. All right. Speaking of speaking of harassment, 
Speaking <laughs> of harassment and people behaving badly, uh, there's been various church scandals uh, in the Hillsong communities in this country, other countries, uh, and in those settings, those church settings, worship centered on kind of creating this wow experience, pastors and musicians made into superstars. And in contrast to that, columnist uh, Amy Julia Becker states that there are plenty of places to be impressed and entertained. Church does not need to be one of them. And let's be clear, ordinary, non-impressive churches also have plenty of flaws, but they are less likely to develop narcissistic leaders and toxic cultures. So just for discussion for us, you know, what about her contention that maybe ordinary and non-flashy is okay? Why is it sometimes hard to be satisfied with that, whether we're talking about church or really anything else in our lives, careers, families, social media feeds, etc.? Uh, I blame capitalism. I mean, basically for everything, but right. That's fair. That that desire for more, that more is better. And yeah. that if we don't, if we don't have an optimized entertainment experience where we where we feel something, um, and then it continues to keep feeling good and feeling better, then it's not worth our time and a, a, attention. Yeah. I'm stuck on, I'm stuck on, they're less likely to develop narcissistic leaders and toxic cultures. Which um, is not true at all. <laughs> well, I wow. think there's, okay. So like on one hand, there's this, like, there's the extreme, right? Which, which like Hillsong was, which, right. um, you know, the, the, like you name it, the, right. The Crystal Palace and the Crystal Cathedral. Um, the, the, thank you. And yeah, it's the like the American idolizing of worship. Right. And and I'm also kind of going back to like all the pre-Madonna narcissistic leaders that have been around since the beginning of, you know, since post-Nicaea, right? Since the Pope's, you know. I thought you were going to all... say since the invention of the television. <laughs> <laughs> well, that took it to another, I mean, let's be honest, like radio took it to another level. Yeah. Um, yeah. TV took it to another level, you know, an even bigger level after that. And social, um, social media took it to a whole other level. <laughs> a whole, which I think is what's so interesting about this and, and like and about Brian, what you added on to this is like, I really have started to notice, especially now that I'm kind of that now that I'm self-employed now that I'm I mean I'm working with organizations but I'm it's it's my responsibility to make business happen and I don't get paid otherwise right like that kind of work um where I don't have a salaried position and there is this whole other level of pressure that you get and and it mostly comes from social media right of yep. like and and this, and I'm only bringing that up in comparison of like, it's almost what the Hillsong type churches did to us at churches, right? Which is to say, you, you know, you need to be online and your sound needs to be top notch and you're, you know, like you can't, I mean, we made a conscious decision before I left. We were a small church and I don't mind using that language, right? We were under a hundred people in worship right? and we had a fixed here's the sanctuary, right? 
And the sound is the same sound that goes through the audio. We don't have special, like we don't have two boards to work because we don't have the people to do all of that. And I understand the sound is different in the room than it is online. I, and yet like we are a limited capability. Yeah. And the feedback, now my congregation was generous and nice, but it was still like, it's not great. And I'm like, right. And I don't know that I want it to be because I, I still like the goal is to still have you come to church. This is for when you can't, you know, and we're not a church that's going to spend millions of dollars on these systems to do this so that we can give you a good show. That's not the point here for us. Yeah, We're still live streaming from my cell phone. Yeah, actually, the cell phone is better sound quality. It's not impressive, but, you know, (laughs) but it's fine. And I think that it's actually despite what all these social media influencers out there making all this money on ads and whatever are telling us that like, it's okay to be fine, that things just be fine. Like it really is, but fine doesn't look like that. Right. Fine doesn't look like, I mean, the first time I heard people talk about auditions into their choir or auditions into their band for church, I was like, uh, now we're running into another realm, right? Like we're, what is the idea? Well, here? I mean, I mean, to be know, fair, not I everybody know. should be singing in the choir. <laughs> Just kind of put that I know. out there. <laughs> and, and perhaps, perhaps hospitality is your gift. Um, <laughs> and listen, listen, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I a hundred percent agree with you. Unless Unless your church, like your Brooklyn Tabernacle, for example, I'm going to pull that out of the hat, or Hillsong, and and part of your income is dependent on a good sound and choir, and you and you you know you record in albums and stuff. Okay, that's that's one thing. And but by you're right. income, we mean hundreds of millions of dollars, or or tens of thousands of dollars, because there's some there's some churches who yeah. are much smaller, but they got a great band, great choir, and you know. People, you know, they record and they sell. Um, sure. But you're right. Un- un- unless that's a vital slice of the pie for your income. Absolutely. Choir open to any and everyone who wants to show up because you got to work with who shows up. And that is the thing that gets them there. So I, I agree with I agree with that point. Um, and again, back to the capitalism thing, because entertainment equals dollars when we're in. And that's where the danger came. Yeah. When we, when you feel well entertained, you give more, Son you know, and, and it is, it is, that it is insidious when the, when the, when the, when the pastor gives a good talk, yeah, you give more. And then when they don't give us a good talk, you give less. And I think the the thing about churches is we got to shift that mentality to go like, you're not, you're not, you are not given your judgment of how well you think the Sunday service went by your donation. That's not what should be happening, but that's unfortunately what does happen in a lot of places when, um, when we don't make that clear distinction. You know, I remember when I was in church, we, we kept trying to push, become like a, was it a consistent giver, you know, like, from a credit card or bank account. And I said, not because we're trying to get more from you. We are trying to make sure that you realize that when you are not here, especially during summer, like 
this stuff still needs to happen. Bills still have to get played. You are investing in the existence of your community, not communicating to us if you are happy or unhappy with the service on any given Sunday. And that's what it ended up boiling down to for a lot of folks, right? We're not, we're not going to create waves by telling you we didn't like the music today or the talk today or this particular guest speaker or not. We're, we're going to communicate with our dollars. And that is, that is a capitalistic sentiment, which should never have made its way um, into churches. Um, I know your question wasn't really about Hillsong, but are we surprised given that the founder of Hillsong, like if you're the founder of a church and you, you have like some sex abuse issues, like any surprise that what you built, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Well, I have not watched the documentary. Have you guys watched it? I've not. I was telling Brian about it in the, in the pre-show. He hadn't, he hadn't even heard about it. I, I I honestly can't bring myself to watch it. Like I can't, but I do watch like Righteous Gemstones and, you know, yes. like I do yes. watch the the yes. very on target comical versions of this, you know, right? right? Yes. Um, that, you know, is like, no, that's actually what it was like. Yeah, no, that's real. Like that's, you know, and what was the movie with- um, Andrew Garfield? Uh, Sterling, Sterling K. Brown. Um, honk. Oh, Jesus oh, honk. Or honk for, honk for Jesus. Jesus. Honk for Jesus. Yeah. And yes. like, you know, there are elements of that, right? That are that are very real. And like, that's partly why it's funny, but also partly why it's not funny. And, you know, it's like really hard to watch, even though it's, there are comedies, you know. Um, but I, I do, I also want to be careful. Like, I'm going to go back on the statement that I just made of like, they're less likely to develop narcissistic leaders in toxic cultures. Like, it's it i i don't want that to be misleading for people to say it's not like there aren't narcissistic people or toxic cultures in not you know in in non mega churches right there of course there are of course i think what is important to point out is they're easier to deconstruct than when the church is built upon that rock right Yes, it's built around a narcissistic personality for narcissistic personalities. You know, that's different. Yeah, because those larger places are um, sort of built on celebrity culture and your average, you know, church on the corner is not. But as you said, ministry as a setting can lead toward or be a place where people are drawn to with narcissistic tendencies. So that can happen in any church. Yes, but when the culture itself is built on being bigger than life and, you know, this big wow experience, well, obviously, like that, I mean, like you put even a non-narcissistic person in that setting and, well, it's going to go to their head a little bit because you're a big deal. There's a lot of people. People are telling you how awesome you are and what a great setting it is. I mean, that it's not complicated. I was in a church of, you know, on on average Sunday, 150 people. and. Yeah. After a couple of months, I was like, yeah, I would make a good cult leader. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 The PCUSA, I find, and we've had this conversation before with other people um, in the denomination, like we really reject the idea of Christian celebrity. Like yeah. we, we will almost in a negative way, like tear someone down for getting too popular. You know, like we, we really reject it. So um, is there a reason, so could a Nadia Bolz-Weber arise in the PCUSA? 
Um, like some have tried, but I don't, I mean, Mr. Rogers was as close as we got and nobody <laughs> knew he was a Presbyterian minister, right? Like, <laughs> nice. Um, no, I mean, I, I not in the same way. And I, I think it does have to do with the, a little bit of the rejection of our, our hierarchical structure, right? We don't have bishops. And, and so there's a little bit more of a acceptance when there's, you know, higher yeah. kind of, you know, offices for lack of a better term. Right. Um, but does the UCC or does unity, like, do they lift up people as, I don't, I don't see that much in the UCC either. I think it's similar to your experience. Yeah. Um, when you remember earlier, when I said the thing about it not being true about smaller churches developing narcissistic leaders. Yeah. I, I got a few examples I could point to, um, uh, with, within unity. And for us, the, the, the celebrity, the celebrity annotation is directly related to, I think, like in this case, yeah, church size. So mm -hmm. if some if some pastor in unity, and we don't have mega churches in unity, can maybe count on one hand the amount of unity churches that will average more than 500 people on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, you know, but but when you have those situations in within unity, those have been seen as celebrity pastors. Um, or or pastors who have like you know, a notoriety within the movement. So like, I mean, I develop a notoriety within unity, but that's just because I say things out loud that nobody else wants to say out loud. Um, and so, so there, so for a while there was that touch of celebrity nature um, or notoriety nature is probably a better sure. way to put it. And, and I think when my, when that church in Massachusetts hired me, they hired me with a thought of, Ooh, we're going to get this guy. And yeah. because he's well-known within the movement, he's gonna, you know, build up our numbers and, and, and all that sort of deal. And I was like, yeah, that's not how that's not going to happen. I think y'all give me way too much credit um, for that as well. And at the same time, uh, to your point, Shannon, there was there was now that pressure, I think, a yep, little bit, right. especially on, on, you know, social media and stuff like that to 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 be to be noticed um, as, as well. Interesting thing happened during COVID was when COVID happened and, you know, churches went online for about five minutes because I had done the work in the years before to really um, um, improve our online presence and infrastructure and all that, you know, we do a church service and have maybe on, you know, at the end of the week, maybe 200 views COVID happened. And because right. a lot of other churches weren't set up all of a sudden we're having like six, 700 views, yeah. you know, sort, sort of deal. And people are getting really excited about right. this and I'm getting excited about it. And I also, I'm realistic enough to know like, yeah, that's going to change when everybody else catches up. So let's right. not get crazy about this sort of deal. Right. But again, how do we equate success in church? Right. And for a lot of people, it's butts in the seats and yep. uh, the amount of views and all of that, because ultimately, again, that gets in people's heads. That means more money is going to come in. Yeah. And, you know, the, the need to pay bills and play, pay staff is a real thing. But 
and but in churches we often lose sight of that's not the real thing for the church it's not the point of why church exists and people and and churches especially small churches struggle with that it's not why we exist but but we need some money and and that's a real dichotomy that you got to struggle through all right. According to legend, the parents of Adi Shankara, 8th and 9th century Hindu philosopher, uh, his parents were unable to conceive a child. Uh, initially, they prayed daily to Lord Shiva. And then Lord Shiva did appear before them and offered them a choice. They could have a child who would live to 100 years old without doing much. Or they could have a child who would make an impact on many lives, but only live a relatively short life. Well, his parents chose the latter option, according to the legend, without hesitation. And Shankara's work, it is said, was the work of several lifetimes, and yet he died in his 30s. So which would you choose for yourself or your child or somebody else uh, near to you um, if you had the choice? You know, long life, but kind of a pedestrian existence, or wow, you know, huge impact, but it's going to be a, you're going to die early. It's a tough one. Um, which not not really. Whichever one provides the infrastructure to t- take care of me in my old age, that's the one I'm going for. Mm-hmm. So, so your child? You're talking about your child. Yes, at this from point. My, yeah, from my yeah, yeah, yeah. Whichever they need to experience. So, so if they if they have an impactful short life, but like for example, like that results in millions in the bank that I can be taken care of in my old age, great. Um, and if if a hundred years. Wow. So that I know someone's there to take care of me, my old age. That's the one. I'm, that's what I'm going going for. I hope Joy's listening to this episode. One of these days, somebody's going to think he's serious. <laughs> call back. Call back to the previous question about being narcissist. Listen, <laughs> Joy. Joy has said to me on more than one occasion. She has said, "Listen, you only have one child. It's me. So, and I got to take care of you when you get old. So, so you might nice. want to think about being nicer." She's she ah. said that to me. <laughs> But seriously, I would choose the 100 years because I, as a parent, don't want to have to bury my child. Mm. That for me, that is like an upending of the order of the universe that I don't know that I, I want to handle. Like it was it was yeah. hard enough to have a spouse die on me. Yeah. I, I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine. And I know so many people out there have had to walk this path. Yep. And my heart breaks for you. I can't imagine what it is like to lose a child. That's not the way it's supposed to work, right? Our kids are supposed to bury us. So in all honesty, I would want the kid, I would want my child to live for 100 years so that, again, all about me, I, I, don't, I, don't, have the heart, I don't have the sheer emotional torture. Of Your life sucks, to- kid, but you'll have a lot of it. <laughs> is this the, the okay so brian what do you i'm i'm curious about what you have picked before i say anything boy I, well i think i was in the middle but when ogan puts it that way i kind of lean that way like i i feel like that's the hardest thing for a parent to do like if we're talking about a child like right if we're talking about our child then i would definitely lean toward the 100 years and honestly if i was thinking about me like i don't know like i human life is is a wonder and a privilege and i don't want to shorten it if i don't have to and i don't 
want to presume that I could have an outsized influence either way. So just give me the longer life. You see, this question is kind of also related to the previous one about, yes. about being content with the ordinary. Like yes. for some, at some point, ordinary stopped being okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it's... I, yeah, I think where I take issue with this is that living a hundred years without making an impact on people's lives. Like I, I think I take issue with the fact that there's something wrong with a pedestrian life. Right. And like, yeah, I wouldn't ever want my child to be miserable in any way, but it wasn't they'll live a hundred years with much suffering or, mm-hmm. you know, like that wouldn't be a choice for me because but but without really making an impact on the world, well, that's most of us. That's most of our lives. You know, yep. that's what's wrong with that life. I don't know. Yeah, um, I and you. at the same time, like I kind of, you know, we talk all the time about like, you want your children to be compassionate and kind people. Like if somehow that can only come with the 30 years. Well, you know, if I don't, I don't know, like I, there's not enough information here. Also imagine having this knowledge, (laughs) like, sorry, kid, uh, you want to make sure all your arrangements are, you know, taken care of. But there's plenty of parents that make a decision about their child's life, knowing that there will be a limited, uh, you know, a finite amount of time. Um, Well, that's true. That's true. And, and I think that, you know, I know, I I know several people who have had to make that choice in their life, whether it was a choice for their child to live for hours or whether it was a choice for their child to live a few years and not all of those kids beat the odds, right? Not all of them were like, they were supposed to die within five years and they lived to be 30. Um, A lot of those children died within five years and the parents still made that choice. So I, I mean, I just. I don't know. I'm sorry to get all serious about it. Like as if it was a real question, but like, that's, I I don't know. I don't know that it would be as, I don't know what I would do. I really don't. Yeah. And I don't, to me personally, like if I could live a hundred years having been content in life, I would be happy to do it rather than I, you know, I feel like by my thirties, it was just starting to get good. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I hear you. I don't know. All right. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, uh, was asked recently, how did the challenges of transportation speak to your spiritual side? I believe he's Catholic. Is that right? I think he's Catholic. Yeah. And his response was, there's, or no, Episcopal. He's Episcopalian. Um. What's the difference? I'm sure our listeners can come up with many. (laughs) Send your emails to Shannon at. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. You send those to Shannon at pubtheology.com. See how far they go. (laughs) See how far they go. Exactly. All right. So he's secretary of transportation. So how does this job connect to your spiritual side? And he says, there's a lot in the scriptural tradition around journeys, around roads. The conversion of St. Paul happens on the road. I think we are all nearer to our spiritual potential when we're on the move. Something about movement, something about travel pulls us out of the routines that numb us 
to who we are, to what we're doing, to everything from our relationships with each other to our relationships with God. That's part of the reason why so many important things in the Bible happen on highways. So wondering about what your experience is, do you, do you agree with this? Uh, is there this connection between movement, travel, and spirituality? Um, you know, before becoming a nomad, I would have said that is the biggest load of bull crap. Um, but now, <laughs> now not I so will, will tell you there, not so much there, there's been a whole lot of praying happening. And especially when you are, um, as I have found myself sometimes not clear where I am going to literally be living in the next few weeks, right. like you like you really have some come to Jesus moments about why did I choose this? Um, you know, do I actually have faith in the community that surrounds me and the benevolence of, of my friends? Um, am I going to trust um, that things are going to unfold for my highest and good? All of these spiritual questions, um, you know, and then the idea of so for me any anything that allows me to have a clear connection understanding um of the divine within me is a spiritual practice so so noticing as a nomad how much i have depended on the certainty of where i'm going to rest my head on any given night and and the safety net um beneath that yeah, that can that can cause a lot of anxiety. And and then it causes me to again rethink of do I do I trust? Do I have faith in other people and things being um laid out before me? So so yeah, it's it's <laughs> there's there's been some spiritual depth and growth and investigation in the last couple of years since i've decided not to have a permanent address somewhere so yeah oh, i can see so that. i get this I, I i get this for sure hmm. i have had i think there's a lot a lot to this you know meeting people meeting people of different areas and different cultures that certainly right like travel is the best education in terms of of that i also think um I'll never forget the first time I, um, the first time I traveled internationally, like really, like not just Mexico. Um, I was 19 and I went to Israel um, with like college for a class and, you know, whatever. And then I came back to Memphis where I was going to school. And I grew up in that landscape. I'd grown up in Kentucky and Tennessee my whole life. And I saw it with new eyes, right? Like, because I had just been to this beautiful place and beautiful landscape, but it was so vastly different than my own. Um, and the same things happened every time I've traveled somewhere new, whether it's inside the United States or outside the United States, like there is such an appreciation, not just for the different, but then when you return home, like seeing the beauty that surrounds you with a new, a new way of, you know, like, I'll even say this when I'm in a new city, it doesn't even have to be like landscape, you know, there's this like, oh, this is such a great city, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I live in a great city. Like, I don't take advantage of these things. Like, why don't I, you know, do this? So it, it just, it continues to just con like open your mind and broaden yourself, which also opens me to that appreciation and that gratitude and the genuine beauty that 
continuously exists that in my day-to-day, -day, like I wouldn't necessarily have without the travel, I'll admit it. Yeah, I think I agree. Like certainly for me, when I've gone to new places, you know, particularly internationally, impacting different inner engaging different cultures and so on like yeah you're you're expanded your sense of of the human experience widens your sense of the wideness of major world religious traditions expands and there's sort of the the pilgrimage aspect of travel even when you're not on a pilgrimage that you yeah. get with any kind of sort of journey that just i don't know it, it puts my whole body and spirit in a different frame that I love. And I think that's why so many of us love to travel when we're able. And of course, understanding that some of us are limited, limited in capacity, financial um, capacity, and so on to do those things. Uh, but when you do get the chance, I think nearly all of us would agree that there is something that opens within us that's new and, and inviting. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it, you know, so for me, like if I, if I had the option to travel more, especially overseas, I would jump at it, you know, like some people that's yeah. their job. And maybe if it's your job, you kind of become numb to it. But like, I just going somewhere I've never been before. I, it just gets me so excited. Like, I love that. So, and, but just because he re equates so much to Paul, I have <laughs> to tell this part of the story. When we were in Greece, um, so during my sabbatical in 2019, we went, my husband and I went to Greece and we stopped at Athens first, right? And we, we had the, the sabbatical was paid for by a grant and they approved this travel, but I was starting to feel really guilty that we were doing the like Greek island tour and not like going to Corinth or or like any of the churchy places kind right. of thing and I was starting to feel really guilty about that and we were at the Parthenon which like right below the Parthenon is where um you know Paul preached in Athens like sure, sure. and yeah and um the Areopagus Marcel, or whatever yeah and um and like we were looking at it and I was like oh we like now I feel bad that like maybe we should have taken a day and gone and, and he said Shannon where did Paul go after he went to Athens like he went to the islands, he went to the Greek islands and like he made this joke of like, oh yeah, I think those people on those beautiful islands could use some of this ministry thing, you know, like, and I was like, you know what, that's so real, right? That like, even just going somewhere beautiful for the sake, and I had a genuine, like, real spiritual experience just looking at the beauty of that place because it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before yeah um you know and well, so there's there's something to that my my first call out of seminary I was looking at two potential new church start opportunities one was in Des Moines Iowa and one was up in Traverse City Michigan which is the most beautiful spot in this entire state and um just the natural beauty is stunning and it was in the state that we know and love but also a place we hadn't lived before and that people want to live if they can versus iowa state i hadn't lived in before a larger city i don't know you know we had to 
think of all these dynamics, but I have to say just the natural beauty alone, like, well, I could live with this being my environment like every day yeah. versus feeling sort of landlocked, frankly, in the middle of the country where there's not water, there's not, it's a long way to go to see anyone I know. Like that was a lot harder to think about. And, you know, is that me listening to the Lord or just myself? I, who knows, but. I mean, one, one and the same, right? <laughs> Universe, you've done it again. There you go. <laughs> All right. I, I want us to get to this last one. Uh, Psalm 19.7 says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. So how might this be so? And does this have limits? Like that, well, if I have the statutes or the teachings or the laws of God, then I have a wisdom that I, maybe I can't get elsewhere. And I, I'm wondering, are there limits to this? Because there are some groups, particularly more conservative Christian groups, that sort of look down on or object to higher education because, quote, we have the Bible, or they're going to be critical about our faith, or etc. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, maybe I didn't articulate this question very well, but I feel like this is a verse that can be sort of like over leaned on and it leads to some weird places. I'm, I'm wondering whoever wrote this in the Psalms, had they read Deuteronomy and Leviticus or they were just going on the Ten Commandments? <laughs> I, I'm going to in the latter part take issue you know like wisdom is not wisdom comes in many forms mm. right and it isn't it's not enough to say i have the bible therefore i am wise like there is much more to it than that um we can have knowledge and not be wise yeah. i mean there's much more to it than that and i have learned more you know, like my granny was super wise with an eighth grade education, you know, so I I think there's all kinds of realms to this um, that like anything is nuanced. And I, and again, I kind of take issue with the word simple of, is that understandable? Is that, you know, what's, what's the tangibleness of that word simple, you know? Right. And, and I guess I was reading this as making wise, the simple and meaning understanding it to mean simple is referring to persons like, which is maybe terrible. And so then you think like simple minded I, or uneducated, like, and maybe that's not what it's send, saying. Send maybe your, send your emails to Brian. At, <laughs> the, I was reading I, it more as like the statutes would may are made simple. I was wondering how long you were going to let me I was hold going that with, shovel. Gonna no, go just with the keep statutes digging. Just well. keep going. You just keep. I mean, now we know how, as if we didn't before, how Brian feels about some Christian groups who tend to askew higher learning. Um, <laughs> Brian said, I paid good money for this degree. Yeah. Come on. Don't knock my degree. Listen, so the question about what point does this have limits? We, I mean, the, the context of when these statutes were written, we always have to remember the context. We always, you know, when it was written, 
who is it written for? What was their understanding of God themselves in the universe? Like we can't uh, as much as- Are you saying the Lord has statutes of limitations? Ooh. <laughs> nice, nice. I see what you did there. That was good. That was good. Um, but you know, again, this is where Christian, a lot of Christian groups get themselves into trouble trying to apply this, like, you know, literal interpretation, understanding of scriptures and statues, which you you, you can't because we're in a much different context. Now, are there some universal themes and truths that that you can find through scripture and through scriptures from other religions absolutely yes we can but you know any any christian group that wants to go on like the bible is telling the bible is enough of a source gonna run ourselves into trouble because because no everybody's nice. going to have a different interpretation of what that Bible is saying. Yeah. So I, I didn't finish the thought, so I'll grab the shovel back. So simple could be referring <laughs> to just like um, a proposition or a statement or something that's ordinary, let's say, not a person uh, and making that seem wise. I don't know. I don't know. Rescue me, Shannon. I'm, I'm trying. So yeah, I'm, you know, I had to pull out the Bible. Um, and, and this is, this verse is part of a series of verses. And actually what you pulled out is only half of verse seven. Um, yeah, give us, give us a little so more. So the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, the mm. decrees, or as you said, the statutes of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. So it's like, it's it's back and forth in this rhythm. Um, so the idea is that the law is characterized as perfection and clarifying and reliable and truth. Um, and there are benefits for it. That's what all of these, you know, right. first parts of this um, poem are. The latter refers to as um, because of those things, because of the clarity and perfection and reliable and truthfulness, they are enlivening and illustrative and have the capacity to give us joy and delight. So this is, this part of the Psalm is about a, a because of the laws, we are we have more freedom to experience joy because we don't have to govern ourselves as hard as 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 it was before. We don't have to figure it out from scratch. Yes, exactly. And so what what's interesting is that we is that it's not simple at all, right? Is that the pretext of all of this is you have to have studied the law in order yeah. for it to be free and enlivened and joy-filled, yeah. right? You have to know and be confident in these things. So this is actually a Psalm about studying and knowing the law, the law or the Torah <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah, and delighting in those things. So it's so interesting that, you know, as always, right. It's, it, it's pulled out in a way that, you know, we don't we don't need any more than the words on the page because there was a whole lot more than the words on the page that were being discussed. Yeah. So it's assuming know. a going deeper and an engaging and a yeah. 
It's yeah. Good. It's good. Which is super cool. <laughs> Great. And uh, there learning are no... is fun, kids. Stay in school. <laughs> and and for the record, there are no simple people. Only simple questions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, there are no simple questions. Only simple people. That's what it is. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. Well, thank you, friends, for turning into Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to free and post-show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash ptlive to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week are Lindier. Is that how you say it? Landier? Leander. Leander. <laughs> Leander. There's Leander. Leander, Texas. Amarillo, Texas. And Seattle, Washington. <laughs> You can watch the video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at patreon.com. We will be on break. Wait, at what.com? Oh, pubtheology.com. I don't know. I'm just not reading anything. I took my glasses off. I can't see anything. Y'all, I need progressives now. You know, they're like they're coming. They're coming soon. Um, at pubtheology.com. Although if you go to patreon.com and sign up and be a patron, you might be able to get to pubtheology.com. There you Brian. go. Brian. There you go. Anyway, okay. this will be our last show until the fall. If you're at Wild Goose, come find us at the Goose Cast on July 14th, Friday at 4 p.m. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.